This season, Taniela speaks to endometriosis and chronic illness patients, those who are going through or have gone through the pain and the diagnosis of endometriosis and are navigating this extremely common but poorly understood condition. Over the last few years, an army of patients have arisen. They are speaking out, fighting back, doing their own research and raising awareness of endometriosis. Let's listen to these brave warriors who have decided that enough is enough and who will stop at nothing to reclaim their health. Hello, and welcome back to Not Defined by Endo podcast. Today, we are listening to part two of Kaylee and Betty's stories and how they have overcome all they have been through in their diagnoses of endometriosis and infertility. If you didn't listen to part one, Please click on the previous episode to do so. Here we are. <laughs> I'm really like loving talking to you ladies. Thank you so much again. I know I keep saying thank you. Thank you. No, you're a delight to talk to too. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I feel like here as well, they say the same thing that, you know, you have, I have, I've, I have friends and family that have had miscarriages and they just say, yeah, when is the third one? Then we'll, we'll, we will then start investigation. And you're like, okay, I get that. Maybe that's the rule of the hospital and all of that. That's mm-hmm. what, but you have to have empathy. Like this, just because you've seen it 5 million times doesn't mean that this is not my first. Like if just mm-hmm. because someone has had it five times and, you know, she keeps coming in and she's okay, you don't know what she's processing and what she's going through. You don't have to compare, like everyone's different. So Kaylee, I totally yeah. understand what you mean by it's your it's your life, it's your story, it's your heart and it's your baby. And you can't just act like, I, I don't know. I just decided mm-hmm. that, you know what, because I have also had experiences where this doctor was like, you know, you were the one who did my surgery. You were the one who I spoke to and I felt like, oh, maybe you were a nice guy, a nice doctor and um, you understood me. But then the next time I'm seeing you, you might be like, so what? So can you tell me why you're here today? Oh, please. So can you tell me? And I'm just like, you know yeah. me, right? You know me, it's me. Like I'm here, I have all these problems and yeah, you don't remember me. I think it's part of, it comes with the territory. So I'm not going to take you personally, but I think that mm-hmm. you know, doctors and, you know, healthcare professionals would do well to actually have some empathy or at least show us some empathy because it's what we are going through on a daily basis. So yeah, so that's why I just wanted to mention when you take yeah. your experience and it's just crazy. Yeah, I have higher expectations for them than maybe people do that haven't went through a struggle like us, but it's it's not hard to do the right thing. And then a lot of times I think when I hear endo warriors or adeno warriors or infertility people talk tell a story, it's just that extra like doing the right thing that a lot of doctors miss. Yeah. I don't even know much know if it's uh doing the right thing as much as having a bit of compassion. Like yeah. I think a little bit of compassion just really goes a long way. Right. I, I totally agree. And then one other thing I wanted to say before we go to the next question is my husband was asking me a couple of days ago that why is it that we are very so whenever I say like they just tell me get on the pill, you know, contraceptive. Mm-hmm. And he, he, because he understands how complex um, these diseases, endo, I don't know, whatever can be, he, and he knows that surgery is also a risk as well. So like you were saying before, Kaylee, you had ablation, like you had no choice. 
you couldn't get like maybe your insurance doesn't cover excision mm-hmm. we all know how it is especially i've heard a lot about how it works in the states yeah um, yeah I feel like in the UK, what we don't have, you might be lucky to be treated by an endo center, but I don't mm-hmm. think you can just say, I want an excision, you know, right. make sure it's not an ablation, make sure, because even the way they speak, like it's so hard to question, like you really mm-hmm. have to have like, come really armed or have someone with you that'll remind you of the things you said you wanted to say because almost like when you get there either you're forgetting or you just you're overwhelmed I think we get overwhelmed a lot um Mm -hmm. and anyway back to what I was going to say he was like but you guys seem very unhappy with um the pill like what else can be done and I'm like I then I sat I sat him down and I was like let me explain why we are against it this is because right. the pill is a band-aid. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it could help people with symptoms and maybe make things better. Like you said, you've been on it since like you were like what it 12, 13, and you were mm-hmm. on it for almost a decade. However, it didn't treat your endo. Mm-hmm. It didn't treat anything. And I feel like they just say, take this and then you know, back of the mind, bye. And they is like problem for another doctor in the future or problem for yeah. you in the future. Like it's like they just solve their immediate problem, which is not really solving the problem because you're making yeah. it worse. So I think what you said, like you were just put on a pill and obviously you were just on it for years and years things were happening inside maybe I feel like if they're not just throwing I know obviously you there's the argument that for a 13 year old do you really want to do excision surgery for someone whose organs are just you know I don't know developing so I get the argument however even if you're going to say we suspect you might have endo but you are quite young okay maybe we'll put you on this plan it's a long-term plan but we're not just going to throw you on the pill and forget about you even if it's not you know let's put something in place that makes sure that you know after a couple of years we check on you we i don't know maybe yeah. do it scan in case the disease is progressing like there's so much that can be done and this is what we fight for so what do you guys think about yeah i want to yeah. mind, sorry i was gonna say i no, want to be- add to that that sure for a 13 year old you might not want to immediately go into excision surgery but you're giving this person whose hormones aren't fully developed a whole slew of hormones so their bodies have no idea what they're doing anyways. So, yeah. I mean, like, what's the difference There's whether you give consequences. them consequences? Yeah. Like yeah. whether you give them surgery or whether you give them this whole fake hormone thing that eventually is going to mess them up anyways, it's going to yeah. hide your symptoms for years. Yeah. I have very complicated feelings on birth control. I think it gave me a lot of naive years where I got to enjoy life and think I was normal. And I, I am grateful. I had those. I also know it's a key reason as to why my endo got so bad because I was ignoring symptoms that in the, the shame or the inability to speak about what my body was doing, put those two things together and not be supported. I just let endo grow for nearly 19 years without knowing it. Right. It had to get to the point that I couldn't stand. And then I found a doctor. Um, so it's horrible. I think for me personally, the first time I got off of birth control because I wanted to be a mom, I immediately felt better. I remember telling people like, my period's awfully weird, but I don't feel as bad. Day to day, I don't feel weird. When I got back on birth control um, after 
miscarrying and just trying to stop the bleeding, I was so sick. I don't really know if I noticed, but I did notice after surgery when I got back on birth control. And the reason why I don't take it right now against my doctor's wishes, very against my doctor's wishes, they'll argue with me. Like you're, you're making a mistake. You're going to have surgery sooner. You're not doing something. You're not taking medicated menopause instead. And my fight with them is when I'm on birth control, I may have maybe a little bit less pain or issues during my flare up. Like maybe it makes my flare up a slightly better, but it makes me sick constantly. So every day of the month, I don't feel good when I'm not on birth control. Yes. I have horrendous flare up. Yes. I have PMDD and things like that, but I also have days where I'm me mm. and I will take that over anything else. And there's contradicting research out there, whether birth control helps or hurts endo. So yeah. until you can really prove it to me, I'm going to do what my body's telling me. My body's telling me that birth control is no longer for me. Yeah. I think that was actually my closing argument to my husband. Like I was saying that if they said birth control is a kill or it's, you know, you, maybe you have, you might not feel like yourself, you, there are side effects, but it's going to kill or take out or whatever the end do. Then of course I'll be like, give yeah. me that. Yeah. But it's like, you'll be like, it may help with your symptoms. It may this, it may that. And you're like, you're just giving me all of this. And you're saying it may, it's just, you're just lazy. Like the, <laughs> maybe I, yeah. yeah, I'm just like, you well, go do something. Yeah, the doctor, <laughs> go do something. There's now scientific proof that in, or birth control can make endo worse. Like they found a correlation where it can make it grow. It's hard for me. My niece is almost 17. She has a lot of the early indicators of endo. I think of her every time I have these conversations and said, the only gift I can give you is advocating. The only gift I can give you is knowledge. So that way, if it gets really bad, you know where to start. If you want to be on birth control, you know the risk and you know the potential benefits. Mm -hmm. If you want to have children, you now know that potentially you have a ticking time clock. You may not, you may be okay, but now you're, you have this knowledge and you're not just letting the years go by in silence until it's too bad or too late. Yeah. yeah. I also do want to add to the birth control argument. I think that I said recently, I'm obviously not here. I said it on our podcast that I recently talked to my doctor about um, hormone replacement therapy. So um, when you have endo and you're on hormone replacement, you have to be on um, estrogen or you should be, you do not have to be, you should be on estrogen and progesterone together. So I kind of, have strewn away from that a little bit because I haven't always liked how extra hormones have made me feel. Mm -hmm. And, um, my doctor specifically said sometimes birth control in people with endo actually like lights a fire and like makes it so much worse. And like, it's making your stuff grow while hiding your symptoms. So mm -hmm. it's just, nobody knows enough about it, yeah. um, for it to be like, this is what you should yeah. absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're still told to get pregnant, have hysterectomies. Yeah. When they hear the word endometriosis and neither of those are cures. So mm -hmm. we have a long way to go, but I do feel very blessed that we at least have some movement and some research. And really we have voices because, yeah. because women, of yeah. yeah, women with endo is how, you know, how to, you said you have to have notes. I have a medical binder yeah. with questions half the times those questions are because of other women or podcasts or like, Oh my gosh, I've experienced that too. Let me yeah. ask about this. Let me ask for this test. Let me ask for this scan. Let me, yeah. let me tell the doctor what to do. 
Yeah. And then if they tell me I'm crazy, let me go find a new doctor because I'm not going to quit advocating and fighting for myself. Yeah. I think, oh gosh, so true. And I feel like uh, we, for us, I think you're blessed in America. I know obviously there are problems everywhere. Yeah. Um, We just have to find the little blessings and be grateful and then fight for for what we don't have. So when you guys in America say things like, I'll find another doctor. It's so confusing here because we just have, (laughs) you just have your GP and you, obviously if you move, like if you move to a different area, you can find another GP or if you want to change your GP, your GP to a different one nearby, I think you go and fill the form and it's not always like, they might say, sorry, we're, we're full. Yeah. So that's something. Mm-hmm. And even you don't necessarily know that they're better, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, and just the GP is just like the doorkeeper. That's just the beginning. You mm-hmm. know, even, then you have to try and advocate for yourself and say, this is how I'm feeling. Please help me. Please help me. And yeah. then they might refer you. And I even heard that there are some incentives i don't have the full details because i'm not a doctor and i don't have any like family member in that system but i wish i did because i've heard something like um sometimes they have incentives for referring or not referring so Mm -hmm. this means that sometimes they might just keep pushing you somewhere and you're wondering why don't you do the other thing and it's because they've told them maybe your gp will make more money like there's something about it which is something that i was like hmm this system, sometimes they're just literally working against us, but we just have to keep trying, keep fighting. I actually- Get them beef, get them beef, yeah, get them no. beef. I can tell. <laughs> no, I, 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 there's nothing bad I'm going to say. Um, but I was actually going to say that when you um, were saying like, you have to wait for your appointment or keep calling or keep emailing and keep texting. And I'm like, once I set an appointment here, I know that it's going to happen. Like mm, I, yeah. I don't have to like wait um, you know, numerous months. I mean, it was different during COVID. Like you had yeah. some COVID wait lists and stuff like that. But untraditional like, for us. Yeah. But I can, you know, I can call a doctor. I can get an appointment that same day and oh, I can wow. have it on the calendar and that's just how it's going to work. So sure. There are, I'm sure there are issues with both of yeah. both sides of it, Yeah, but I am grateful for that side of it. Like I don't have to like, keep being like, is this appointment going to happen? Like, yeah. is my surgery going to happen? Like I was able to schedule it. I could have scheduled my, my surgery within a week after my wow. diagnosis if I wanted to, but I needed some time to process it. Obviously yeah. it's well, a so. consumer market here mm. as much as we get to kind of play the game. It's all because it's all a consumer market. It's all about the dollar yeah. doctors will literally. So the reason why excision is hard to find in the U S is because it's hard to get covered insurance classifies it as a more complicated surgery, which means the doctor itself and the facility have to have higher insurance, which then makes your personal premium higher, which means your insurance probably doesn't want to cover it because they're now reliable for that cost rather than the facility. Uh Yeah. So it's pretty much all all money game in the U S. Yeah. Wow. It's a money game. Interesting. So unless you have unlimited funds, Mm. usually look at all the options, which we have options, which is nice, but you look at all the options, you say, this is the one that's going to serve my body the best right now. And I'll take the price or this is the one I can afford. So Ah. I guess I'm going this way. Wow. Oh my goodness. It's interesting. It's interesting to see how it's different um, in the different countries or different areas, but yeah, we just keep, I think it's very important awareness and knowledge. Like you said, uh, Mm -hmm. just 
that's what you have to give um, others going through this. Like, this is what I can tell you about my experience, about what I've learned from all the research mm-hmm. I've been doing. And I bet if they put together the hours of research that we're all doing, it would be years because we are doing a lot. We just sometimes don't have access, like to like I try and go onto um you know web uh, what's it called articles medical articles and all of that to see and like I want actual research I just I don't want to just go on a blog um mm-hmm. I want to do a lot of it I want to understand yeah. this disease like and I wish you know I know they're busy and everything but I wish that's what we were getting regarding the, the interest and the you know funding and the research and all of that like let's find out how can we we still don't know what causes endo like Mm -hmm. seriously (laughs) it's interesting yeah there's just so many things wrong with it because um like in your case you have a gp who handles all of your generalized stuff Mm -hmm. so how do you expect them to be experienced in one specific disease if they are expected to be uh experienced in all of them exactly like it's just we don't have enough individual Mm -hmm. endospecialists it's not a specialization um, it's a real problem. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question, Betsy, now. Yeah. How has life been since, you know, your hysterectomy? How have you found motivation? How have you basically separated yourself from being defined by, you know, now, you know, I'm kid-free? Tell me how that journey has been. Yeah. So, um, like I said, we had come to terms a couple years before uh, my hysterectomy that we were comfortable being childless, that we were comfortable living a life. Um, I have a really incredible husband, like cannot say enough good things about him. And it's not just because he might be listening to me. No. No. So I think like we were in a pretty good, peaceful place in our life anyways, in regards to infertility. So my hysterectomy and like getting that chance to be pain-free for a while was incredible. Like, you know, like all of a sudden I went from being in pain every single day to like, holy cow, this is what a normal person feels like. Like I didn't have, I mean, I do now, but I didn't have like that insane fatigue that we all feel like, I had energy every day. I woke up, I felt good. Like it is just such a crappy thing that we live that life every single day. And then like one day you'd get it taken out and you're like, oh my gosh, like I've been missing out on all of these things. So I think like it genuinely made me cherish the life that I get to live. Like I'm really, really grateful that I get to live this quiet, peaceful life. And yes, it is a journey to go from being calling yourself childless to becoming child-free, but it's all in your perspective. Like it's all in like how you feel there, you know, there's something about the less versus the free, like without a child, I'm not less like I am free. I am, Mm -hmm. I am free to live whatever life I want. Like I could pack my dog up and move across the country if I chose to do that today. Like I have all of these privileges because I don't have kids. No disrespect to parents. I think you're incredible. I think that you are really warriors because I don't know that I could do it. Like, I don't know that I could live with a chronic illness and try to be a parent as well. Like I'm very blessed that I can take care of myself and 
only have to take care of myself. And that was probably a really long-winded way of saying, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> Very big into living life and accepting our lives and not feeling like because your life maybe didn't turn out the way you thought it would or because it doesn't meet society's terms doesn't mean you're any less than, doesn't mean you don't deserve the same happiness in life. And we just have a few more hurdles to get through to find what happiness is for each one of us individually. But we're not discredited. We're not less than. We don't have to make the justification for the way we're living. We deserve to be happy. And B is doing a pretty damn good job of it. Yeah, you yeah. both are. Well done, ladies. <laughs> so, Kaylee, uh, I have a question for you as well. Yeah. You mentioned before that you obviously had ablation surgery, which mm-hmm. is not, we all know we want excision so that we get to the mm-hmm. root of the disease and all that. But you probably will have more surgery in the future, but you don't want yeah. where you wanted to focus on yourself and really, you know, come to acceptance. I would use that word for a while before you then decide if that's the right decision or that's the right next step. Yeah. What are you doing in your life now? Like to basically maintain <laughs> your quality of life or, you know, what things are you doing naturally? Cause I think you mentioned um, your yeah. natural way. Share with us some of the things you're doing so that someone can learn from it as well. Yeah. So I will say it's more of a mental thing for me. Um, every time I have a surgery or I take a part of me out, I feel like I'm making some huge decision of like, this is now going to be my next step. This defines me and or to my family, I have to then go through another cycle of saying, no, I'm not cured. I decided a while back that I need to come to terms with life with a chronic illness. And I'll be very transparent. I'm very transparent on a pod. A lot of times that's just surviving. That's literally just making it through the day. Um, I have sleepless nights. I think one day last week I was up 22 hours straight because my body and my hormones and my pain wasn't functioning. I don't have it figured out, but what I have decided is to try to do some things to make my life the best it can and then start seeking medical help for the surgeries or the options like that. I also don't know where I stand on a hysterectomy yet. Um, cause there's some not endo related, but there's some benefits for me to kind of walk down that path, but I want to make sure I'm emotionally ready for that before I even consider it. And, or maybe just decide I'm not going to do it until I absolutely have to. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a lot about honestly, mind over matter is the biggest thing for me. If I can keep my mind in a healthy place, I am much better to tackle things. So Betsy and I talk a lot about, about meditation, about journaling, about being communicative and open up about your process and your struggles. Um, my online presence is not rainbows and unicorns. It's a lot of like, this sucks, but I'm okay with it. I'm accepting it. And this is why it's good for me. Um, I do, I just, we had a, a coach Rita on our episodes and it's one of the endo friends I made in the community a while back. I just officially took the plunge to work with her um, from a nutrition standpoint. I'm just scared. I'm terrified of food. I'm terrified of doing another elimination diet. I'm terrified to do something and not work, but I also know like where I'm at right now isn't enough. So I'm currently working on a big old reverse diet, which is absolutely terrifying, but actually making myself eat and make finding the right foods for me and really being conscientious about what I'm putting in my body. I've taken most of my supplements off the table and I'm down to just a couple to see how they fix me. And then we'll look at my blood work and we'll try to add more things in if I need it. Being really conscientious of what I'm putting in my body. 
I'm slowing down the workouts as much as that hurts me <laughs> mentally. Um, I'm doing too much on my body right now. And so the goal, the goal is to slow down and give myself some healthy time to heal. And I don't like prescription medications. I don't like the way they feel. I don't like pain meds. I, if I take anything, it is a uh, ibuprofen, but I try not to, because there's a lot of risks with that. So any pain relief, I do holistic medication and I'm not saying it works. And I'm not saying I like to be on those options all the time, but for me, it's like, what can I do the healthiest way to move forward? So I don't have anything figured out. Let me be very clear. And now the two of us, Betsy is much better at experimenting, but I think I owe my body the chance to focus on it and to heal it and to try before I go jump on a table to somebody I, I don't think has my best interest in mind. Like I do for myself. Exactly. Yeah. That, that was actually the reason that I was smiling so much is because we literally um, just had this conversation <laughs> um, that I am very experimental with my body. Like I'll try anything like let's mm-hmm. sure. Let's just do it. Um, whatever. And Kaylee's a little bit more um, apprehensive. So it's been a really cool thing to see her actually like trying to take control of her health and her body. So I'm at this point where I realize I have a tendency to just sit in the situation I am because I know I'm strong Mm -hmm. and I know I can handle it. And so the, the risk of feeling worse while you're actively trying to get better, sometimes it's just too overwhelming for me. And I just, I pump the brakes. I don't want to go through it. I don't have any step of my journey that really does not pay an emotional or a mental toll on me. And I do suffer from very severe PMDD, which makes me hormonally just black and sad and crazy for 15 days of a month sometimes. And so I just go slow as much as I move fast in all things in life with my endo. I'm just going slow because I'm sick of being on somebody else's ticking time clock. Like I'm just going to listen to my body and I have Betsy in my corner. Oh, and I think that's really important. I'm going to ask you Betty as well, but I just wanted to share as well that I I agree with you that you have to actually allow your body allow your body heal or try and heal. Mm-hmm. I know we still have all of the endo and all of that inside, but sometimes you know the mental aspect as we as well, the emotional aspect and I also started doing a lot of um, looking into my diet. And you know, when you mentioned Mm -hmm. that you're scared of doing another elimination diet, I had to change the way I think about it. So rather than just saying, okay, I can't eat gluten, I can't eat dairy, I can't eat, Mm -hmm. I started saying, you know what, like at the moment I'm eating all of those, but I've started doing things like instead I'm adding in stuff. So adding in veggies, like healthier stuff. And then that way, when I remove something else, it's almost like I've crowded in the good with the bad. Like I'm taking it slow. So I'm not just like getting rid of everything. Obviously there can yeah. be time for that if you're completely ill and you have to go right. drastic, go cold turkey. But other times what's be- better, more beneficial for you is to actually take it slow for first add one good thing that you know has no side effect like you're doing good with it you like it even if it's some kind of healthier snack or some healthier mm-hmm. vegetable or something that you weren't eating before but now you want to try and you know for a fact it's good for you or even if it's just ginger like mm-hmm. I started doing something I really love like I blend ginger garlic I know my husband is like oh god not garlic again. <laughs> 
So I'm like, it works for me. But ginger, turmeric, lemon, and then I just put it in my teas um, every day. Think little things like that. And then with time, I think it takes, it's good. I mean, the disease has ravaged our bodies for years and years, for decades. So we don't, we, I'm not surprised that, you know, in three months, you know, everything doesn't just go away. You know, it's going right. to take some time as well. And the main thing yeah. is to just, be go slow really so I like that yeah. when you said yeah take your time go slow I um I'm a cold turkey type of person I mean I was a vegetarian for years and I literally just gave up meat on a Tuesday I am a very cold turkey person and I know I'm strong and so unfortunately that's been a really bad personality trait when it comes to endo because I'm like you tell me what to do I'll do it I'll mm-hmm. do it tomorrow but there's no answer and by doing that and thinking like I can just make these drastic changes and feel better. I'm not listening to my body. I don't think I've ever been good at listening to my body from day one. And then you meet people like Betsy, who is highly in tune, highly aware of her body. And I think that's kind of part of the reason she's able to take risk. And I just kind of realized my goal is to go slow and learn my body. Hmm. So that way I know what I'm doing is good or bad because Betsy will talk about in our pod a lot about like how she, she can know pretty quickly if she, choke the supplement or something because it's not working for her and like I literally have to crash and burn mm. before I was like oh hey probably wasn't a good decision yeah um, so working on that mindfulness is really difficult for me because I've just been a workhorse my whole life I'm just like I can do it like yeah hard wow interesting I'm Betsy yes so, <laughs> so what do like, you I'm here <laughs> So Kaylee has praised you and said, yeah, I like the best. She always does. She's an A-plus friend. Like, <laughs> Trust me, if you weren't worth it, you wouldn't get it, girl. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what else do you, what do you do as well? Just share a bit yeah. about what you do to, you know, keep your life feeling a bit whole, you know, regardless of everything else going on medically. Yeah, I am very in tune with my body. Like, I, um. I will tell you, like, you're the best advocate for your body. If you sit and pay attention, like you can feel things like you can just spend some time, like feeling your body. Like, what are your, you know, what do your limbs feel like? What do your hands feel like? Like, and I think like that mindfulness is probably, that sounds very like hokey, <laughs> I feel like, no, true. but, um, I feel like that mindfulness has, has gotten me like a really good relationship with my body. So I do eat gluten and dairy free. That was a new thing as of November. But I do think it's a mindset thing too. Like, what am I adding in? Like I've added in a lot of extra fats and a lot of extra seeds and nuts and like all of these things to try and heal my gut and like balance my hormones. And I do take a couple supplements, like nothing crazy, but I research them very heavily. I am a one at a time supplement person. Like if I'm going to change something, I'm going to change one thing and I'm going to, you know, wait a few weeks and see how that one thing is making me feel. So, um, I do, I think just being in tune with your body and like trying to keep my inflammation low in my body is one of my main goals. So, you know, lots of ginger and uh, lots of water and lots of good healing vegetables Mm. and, um, that kind of thing. Oh, that's really good. Thank you so much, ladies. So Kaylee, final words of advice, uh, for anyone listening, anyone going through whatever, whether yes. it's endo, I don't know, any other female, you know, gynecological condition, infertility, what would you say? We've got eight minutes. Uh, 
I'm going no, to you're good. even if it's <laughs> you're on the clock. I'm, I'm quick because it's general. Um, I hear you. I see you. I'm with you. You're not alone. Please don't feel gaslit and feel like you're crazy. Whatever you're going through, it's real. And we support you in finding answers. And don't feel like you have to have it figured out overnight. What works for you is going to work for you. It may not work for the other endo warrior. You have grace to figure it out. You have time to figure it out. No one has a time clock on you. And just work to wellness. When I say wellness, it's finding a place where you enjoy life. It's not meeting every stat somebody puts on a paper chart for me. It's you deserve a happy life. And I went through probably 12 years of thinking I was broken or my body hated me or I didn't deserve to live. And it's just crazy that no one stopped me and said, hey, girl, you deserve happiness and wellness and a future. And it's okay if you make mistakes. And so I'm here to say to other people and I'm here for shoulder to cry on if it gets too hard because we all need it. Oh, thank you, Kaylee. And that's it. Hers was deep. Like, I feel like that encompassed everything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My advice to anyone. So I'll start with endo, like would be, don't forget that, you know, your body the best to like, advocate for yourself, fight for yourself, fight for your diagnosis, whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better, like do it. Um, I do know it's not always feasible, like financially in the U S particularly maybe time limit wise in the UK. Like I know that there, but start the process, like start fighting for Mm -hmm. yourself. Um, use your voice for whatever you can. Um, infertility wise, I would just say like, uh, depending on how new you are to the infertility world, it's not, this pain that you're feeling is not going to last forever. Like Mm -hmm. it is possible to live a whole fulfilling, valuable life um, after infertility. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We really, really appreciate you giving us this time to talk. Um, Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying yes. um, And I had a lot of fun. Thank you. We can't wait. And we look forward to to have you on our podcast. Yes, I can't wait. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Don't forget to share, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like to share your story, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook or send an email to info at notdefinedbyendo.com. Till next time, remember, you are not defined by endo.